This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We are working our way through the Steelers draft class and talking about where they fall in their position groups for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they're all on the south side working through OTAs as we are in the second week of OTAs. It's here. Steelers season is pretty much here. Training camp is going to be here in a blink of an eye earlier than ever this year as the Steelers play in the Hall of Fame game. So they get a little early access to training camp. They'll be the team on the NFL Network those days, just wall-to-wall coverage of people in shorts running sprints around a field because there is nothing better, though, I will say, than when training camp's open and you see those footage. And then I know the games stink. And I guarantee you Ben Roethlisberger will be in shorts and a backwards hat for the Hall of Fame game. But when they first play that game, it's, yeah, it's like, exciting. oh, baby. It's like football is here. And the fact that it's going to be the star helmets versus the Steelers, Dallas and Pittsburgh. Adds a little bit to it's it. It's going to look great. It's going to look great on television. It's going to look like a great production. But we left off in our previous episode at Dan Moore, number 128 overall. So if you missed us talking about more. Kendrick Green, Fryermuth, or Najee Harris, tune into our previous episode, and you can find it on Steelers.com. But working our way down the list of draftees, round four, number 140 overall pick is Buddy Johnson, the linebacker out of Texas A&M. Another spot where the Steelers could be looking at a guy that could start very soon as opposed to later. Uh, obviously, Devin Bush and we think Vince Williams, who is returning to the Steelers, have the inside spots locked down. Of course, there is debate. Spillane might jump Vince Williams. I think that's what's going to happen. Become the starter. Wow. Yeah. I don't. That's interesting then if Vince Williams were to come back to. I'm be sure the they backup. pitch him to be the backup, but just to have him come back and then yeah. lose his job at training camp. I just, I just think that's the plan, unfortunately. But either way, those are the top three. Bush yeah. being number one for sure. All three of them are going to play. Two, three are could be interchangeable with Williams and um, Robert Spillane. But I, I think. You never know if you're going to hit with a guy like this because now you're starting to get into the weeds of the draft and you could get a guy that takes a little bit to develop and then, of course, he's a 10 to 12-year starter in the NFL or you could just get a guy that kind of floats around on special teams for a couple of years and then finds himself crapping out of the league. You just don't know, but I will say this. I love the idea of trying to find a young running mate with Devin Bush because Vince Williams obviously is on his way out. He's 31 years old, so who who knows how much longer he'll have left in the tank. Robert Spillane, on the younger side, but I don't know if he's a guy that you really want to have grow as a tandem for a decade plus. Not to say Buddy Johnson can be that guy. I'm more so saying I like the pick of the inside linebacker here and taking that shot of, okay, if Buddy Johnson can in a year or two, be a starting inside linebacker, all of a sudden you've got a great young tandem that you can build up with between Devin Bush as the superstar and Buddy Johnson as his Robin. Right, and I mean, when you look at Buddy Johnson too, I mean, you make a good point that he, he's he got a shot to start relatively soon, not this year, obviously, he's got right. three guys ahead of him, but um, I, I think one of the biggest reasons that they brought him in, especially this year, and one of the things they really like about Buddy Johnson, um, especially this year, I know this isn't exactly what you were saying, but is the fact that he he loves this play to play special teams, and he's going to make an impact. I think he's going to be a special teams kind of demon this year. He played special teams at A and M. Um, he talked about in his in his um, 
his press conference after being drafted that um, they had to play at least one special teams at Texas A&M. It was like a rule for them. Uh, their coach was really high on special teams. Every starter had to play one special. Um, so that gives you some confidence about him. But I think he's an interesting, a really interesting player uh, when you look at Buddy Johnson because of the fact that, um, I mean, he's in, a, he's in a unique situation where, yes, Bush is obviously, you know, uh, we think he could be a, a Pro Bowl type talent is Devin Bush. But then you look at the next two guys there, whether it's Spillane or Williams, regardless of who's the starter and who's the third guy, he realistically could be um, on a level near them or above them within two years. You know what I mean? Just because he's younger and just because, you know, Vince is getting older. When is his play going to tail off? And still to this day, I don't think Robert Spillane is is anything special. I mean, I'm not trying to, to dump on the, on the Mac here, but you got him from the Mac. You know what I mean? He's a linebacker. Well, from the in Mac. that note, I don't know how much weight you can put into this, but Buddy Johnson was the starting inside linebacker with 85 tackles last year on the number right. one rated defense in the SEC right. in Texas A&M. So that he already has more pedigree than coming out of school coming out of school than Spillane right. and I know Spillane's been in the NFL I know Spillane yeah. you know last year in the NFL everybody you know goes bananas over the hit over Derrick Henry but any really any average linebacker makes that play it just sounded really cool and it sounded like a big play which it was don't get me wrong and then the pick six against Lamar Jackson but I mean he's in the NFL for a reason but at the same time is he the answer at inside linebacker, you know, to be next to Devin Bush. I, I don't know. I still don't. I still would lean towards no. I'm not saying Buddy Johnson is either, but he's in a unique situation because of the pedigree that he brings in. Um, it's it's obviously much higher than Spillane. And again, in a year or so, could he ascend to be higher than Spillane and higher than Vince Williams? I don't think it's crazy to think that. I, I just love the fact that there's a chance that, that, oh, absolutely. that Colbert right. takes a chance on a guy like this. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're, as we get through round five, six and seven here, although I don't believe they did. Yeah, they did. Never mind. As they get through round five, six and seven with the Steelers, these guys become more and more fringe. Right. I, I think four is that cutoff of like these guys definitely make the roster. And these guys have aspirations to at least play maybe, their yeah. rookie contracts yeah. out four years in the league. And maybe start a little bit, too, maybe, depending. Yeah. yeah. But he's definitely going to contribute in special teams. Oh, he's going to be a, For a sure. demon. I think he's going to be one of the best special teams players on the team. Wouldn't be shocked if he beats out Jordan Dangerfield too soon for that special teams captain spot either. A couple years, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. Good dynamic guy to have in the special teams group. We'll get to another guy that I think could help there in yeah. a little bit. But before we do, we have to go with the number 156 overall pick, round five. Now, this is the guy that I think doesn't project to be on the field at all this year. In fact, you know, I was talking in an earlier episode we did with Patrick Fry or Pat. Yeah, Patrick Fryermuth. No one calls him Patrick, though. That's why Pat. I thought it was weird there. I mean, maybe his mom, like Patrick Mahomes' mom. Patrick Fryermuth. Little his Patrick. Name is Patrick. Little Patrick. Well, what I was saying about him is nice is that, yeah, he doesn't have to be thrust into the number one spot, but he doesn't have to just hold a clipboard either. He's going to get some real time playing in the NFL this year. With Isaiah Loudermilk, it was such an odd pick because people didn't really see the Steelers taking this guy, and a lot of people didn't have him this high on their big boards. No. And when you heard Colbert talk about it, it sounded like he was very ecstatic about it, but not that this guy's going to come in and be a freak right away. This seems totally like a potential pick right here, mm. a, a guy that, if anything, it's two to three years down the road when he can get onto the field. Or, Excuse me, that's a poor phrase. In a year, maybe he gets on the field. Two to three years, he can start making an impact and playing mm -hmm. significantly. 
But this is a guy I think this year is going to get a lot of just clipboard on the sidelines. Yep. Would not even be surprised if when you hear Bob Labriola on the Steelers radio network give pregame show, give the inactives, you hear Isaiah Loudermilk's number called a lot as not getting a helmet for yeah, games. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Not because, you know, he's a bust completely or, a bust. Yeah. You, know, you know, rookies that you don't think would get a hat might just get cut straight up before the season even starts. But I think they'd keep him around because I think they like his potential. And they recognize, even though there is some depth to that front right now on the defensive side of the ball, could always be more, and people are starting to age out of those defensive end positions. So right. you could always stock the cupboard full of guys that could potentially, in two to three years, if Tewitt or Cam Hayward have to move on, God forbid that, but if it's yeah. the case, they can slide right in. And worst-case scenario, if you know something does happen to those guys, I know that the plan probably isn't for Loudermilk to play a lot this year, but if injury dictates that, at least you do have someone that – can play. I'm not saying that he's a world beater, but I think the Steelers see a lot of potential in Loudermilk, and that's why they drafted him as high as they did, um, because they definitely didn't think they were going to get him in the sixth round. Um, otherwise, why would you go up that high to get him? I mean, this was a question mark for me, um, and it still kind of is, but at the same time, if he's a guy that kind of, you know, as you said, Tom sits and, and doesn't play a lot this year and is inactive a lot, but just learns and just, you know, takes it all in and then Two years from now, he becomes a starter and a, and a decent starter at that. It was a great fifth-round pick. I mean, even if he doesn't become a starter and he's just a backup, but he plays, you know, um, you know, sparingly and, and just comes in and gives guys He's blows. not Dan McCullers. No, he's no. not Dan McCullers. Right, that's the point. He just uh, kind of floated in, in, in limbo and, and he's managed to keep a spot yeah, on Yeah, if the he's roster. not that, it's a good If he's pick. not that, it's a good fifth-round pick. It really is. I mean, again— do I love it? No, I think they could have done something. You know, I think they could have really done something there. Um, yeah, uh, this, the kid from Ohio State uh, that I really wanted. What the heck was his name? The, the safety. The safety. Um, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But there was obviously position groups that yes, they needed that more. They needed more. But this tells you that I think that tells you how much they must have liked yeah, the individual right. prospect. Yeah. Because I mean, running back in the first round, need tight end in the second round, need. Lyman, the next two picks, need, need. Inside linebacker, the next pick, need. I mean, they've been needs, needs, needs. As we move on, outside linebacker next, definitely kind of a need there. This one was more of a potential pick, I think. This one was more of a, yeah, no wow, doubt. I can't believe this prospect's still there. Let's snag him up right now and try to develop him. And in a couple years' time here, you know, this might. There's short-term investments and there's long-term investments. I think they see Loudermilk as a long-term investment. Sean Wade, that was a guy. Sean Wade. Yeah, and that's who I wanted there. You now, got picked, what, four picks later? He's listed as a defensive end, Loudermilk. Yeah. I think he kind and the questions that they have about him is his upside as a pass rusher. So I think what's in the Steelers' best interest is to take this kind of redshirt season here, put on more weight. He's already six foot eight, 293 pounds. But really build that frame up, put mm -hmm. on some more weight, have him bump into the inside groom him to kind of be the replacement when Alu Alu eventually moves and, on. And that might be your best bet. I mean, that might be the best thing for yeah. him because and that's a red shirt year would pay dividends in that regard yes. because you can just beef him the hell up for an entire season. And then you season. learn, I'm sure he's played on the inside before at Wisconsin, but, but still. it's a different, you know, it's a different position. And um, I think that might be the best thing for him because of the fact that not to say that Alu Alu isn't good and he is very good and he's a key part of that defense. But if you were to look at that defensive line as a whole, he might be the weakest part of that. And in a year or two when he's phased out, you know, you don't need Loudermilk to be a superstar at that point in time. You know what I mean? You just need him to be close to what... Is he also the oldest person on that yeah, line? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I guess Cam and him are probably close, but um, him and Alu-Alu. But I mean, Alu-Alu I mean, doesn't... Cam Alu-Alu right. is the oldest. Yeah, he doesn't have... 
a ton of football left, I don't believe. You know, and I think he's got two years at maybe the most. This might be his last year, too. And given Cam's relationship with the organization as the captain, I mean, you can't expect expect Tyson to to be around for longer than Cam. So, yeah, it's definitely an investment. It's not a win now. It's not a... It's not a piece to use now type of draft pick. One last thing about Loudermilk I'll say is the fact that the Steelers sent a fourth round pick in the future to Miami just to move up to pick him. To take him. I mean, that you tells something. you a lot that they, they see something in this guy. That's that's very clear that the hidden right the, the golden nugget in this draft that he that Colbert thinks he found is is Isaiah Loudermilk. Yep. And right. again, I don't think it'll be until 2023, maybe, until we yeah. actually see if that's the case or not. The because, potential come forward. But that's not yeah. bad. I mean, that's only a couple of years down the line, and that could fall right into when Tyson Alualu is done with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He just fills, he just comes right in right and fills in, that hole. seamlessly fills it. And, Tom, you said that, you know, maybe Kevin Colbert sees Loudermilk as, you know, the diamond in the rough of this draft and of yes. their draft. Personally, I see that as the next guy that we're going to talk about. I love, I love this this pick in the sixth round. Well, a lot of people are very high on this pick, thinking that it was an absolute steal. Quincy Roche, the outside linebacker, out of the U, oh. round six, number two hundred and sixteen pick. He's just a pass rusher. That's yep. his mo. He was ranked number one seventy three in ESPN's prospects pool. So. Getting picked at number 216 when you're at their number one. That's a lot of value. That's a ton of value there. I said I had a guy I wanted to talk about as far as special teams impact when we were talking about Buddy Johnson. This, well, is, this is the guy. Yeah. He might be better than Buddy Johnson even, Jacob, at the special team spot. But not just with special teams. I think this is a guy that if all things go right and if he doesn't have too much trouble adjusting to the speed and the style of the NFL – he could be number three behind Alex Highsmith on the depth chart as far as the outside linebacker, not too far into the season. And before you know it, the guy who comes in to give a blow to TJ or to Highsmith when they need it and rush that passer, it might be Quincy Roche sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's. I think he's gonna be really interesting. And for a sixth round pick, um, they got him. I don't think the Steelers thought that he would be there at that point in time. I really don't. As you said, he was rated as what the 173 that would put you in the middle of the fifth round ish um a couple what a handful of picks after louder milk went at uh 156 i mean that's 14 picks later so um to get him where they got him that's really really good i mean and uh, you know he, he played at temple for three years too um don't don't for, or for two years i believe and then he transferred to uh, miami but man i i really really like him um just because of the fact that I think he can really be a demon on special teams. Him and and, uh, and Buddy Johnson could be kind of, I don't want to say a force on special teams. How much can you really be a force on special teams? But they really can, you know, make that special teams better. And that's that's a group uh, for the Steelers that I think has gotten better over the last handful of years. What was it, two or three years ago, Tom, on our Steelers Saturday shows in the infancy of Steelers Saturday how many times did we talk about how bad the Steelers special teams were and they were giving up huge plays in the return game and things like that? It's been getting better, and this adds to that. But as you said, I think Roche also has the ability to maybe, you know, not push Highsmith or anything like that this year. But, you know, if Highsmith doesn't play great and even maybe even into 2022, 2023, 
he could be the guy there. And I mean, oh, that's, that's still open auditions for that spot opposite of TJ. No doubt. Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, not to say that Roche is going to take it this year because I think no, no, that's, no, it's high Smith's year. It's high Smith's like, year, but if he doesn't produce, but high Smith's not set in stone. Yeah. No, right. even next year, I don't think he's set in stone. Even if he has a decent year this year, it's there's kind no of, binding contract with no. high, other than the contract, but there's no commitment. The, really. the, the literal contract. Other, is there, there's no, the there's no contract. real connection there. There's no guarantee that he's got it. And on top of that too. I mean, I know that, he doesn't have to be the guy and he can kind of learn and he's probably going to play a ton of special teams will Roche. Um, but at the same time, he, he's got a lot of time to put weight on and he's got a lot of time to really, you know, as I'm looking at his weaknesses here on, on NFL.com, what they had his prospects or his, um, his draft profile thin through his lower body, tight hips, tight ankles, not really explosive to the top of the rush. But at the same time, you look at all of his strengths, durable, reliable, productive, 39 and a half tackles for loss and 26 sacks over three years at Temple. You know what I mean? Like, there's some things that he needs to beef his body up on, especially if he's going to be an outside guy. But, man, this I, I think this is a, an unbelievable pick in the sixth round. It might be one of my favorite picks in the draft, and as crazy as that might be, a, a round six guy at 216, I really think this guy's going to make an impact. Mm. And again, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say it's a weak outside linebacker group because it's not. You have the best, def, one of the best defensive players in football, and TJ Watt on one side. And there's a lot of upside with Highsmith, but at the same time, it's not real deep. And this guy automatically gives you some depth moving forward. I mean, obviously, if something happens to one of those two guys, he's the next man up. Cassius Marsh, Calvin Bundage. Jamar Watson. Even more to my point. Jameer Jones. Right, These are kind of some of the names that are on the depth chart around the outside linebacker positions, whether they be behind TJ or behind Highsmith. I'll say this. ESPN.com already has Roche as number two on the depth chart behind Alex Highsmith. That's what they have as yeah. the Sam linebacker. Right. So and that's he's fair, already right? rocketed yeah. up to that spot. Uh, Cassius Marsh maybe will be a guy that comes in and gives them a blow. At the beginning of the season, but again, but I, it's not I don't a, it's think not it's a blow. It's just going to be to kind of get maybe give the guys a rest. That's what a blow is, like yeah. a, just a player two off, just so that they can continue to play breath. at a high level in the fourth quarter. Late uh, in the when game, you said blow, I thought mean like to kind of blow their steam lead on holding the higher roster. What spot. a weird thing to think. Sorry, giving someone a blow is such a common phrase, but I, I think Quincy Roche again. Before the halfway point of the season, he's going to get pass rushing opportunities. He's going to yeah, get Alex play. Highsmith is yeah. tired and can't rush the passer. It's going to be Roche or that even gets TJ. I mean, I know that he's listed behind Highsmith, but you know those outside linebacker positions, you can kind you of can switch. You can yeah. kind of switch. I know it's different, and I know you know Bud Dupree played much better when he was on the other side, and some guys are like that. But for the most part, I mean, you could kind of interchange those. I mean, if either guy's tired. Why not give Roche some spin? I mean, I really think that he's got that ability. Um, he's got a super, super high motor, too. Number 245 pick, round seven. Kind of the forgotten guy in this draft. Trey Norwood, safety out of Oklahoma. Absolute ball hawk was the book on him. Big 12 co-leader in interceptions in 2020. He had five picks for the Oklahoma Sooners last year. Coming from Oklahoma, big-time pedigree. Yep. Played in a playoff recently. You know, coming from a school that's elite as far as the college football world is concerned, you, know, you, you can almost never go wrong from taking prospects from certain schools, and Oklahoma is certainly one of those Absolutely. schools on that list. Uh, it says Steelers need coverage help, and there's certainly no false nature to that statement. 
losing Steven Nelson, who is still a free agent, and losing Mike Hilton to the Cincinnati Bengals. Norwood comes in as a safety. Uh, he does have flexibility, though. They say he could play a lot of multiple spots as far as coverage is concerned, maybe bumping up on nickel packages, covering the slot. But it's really about him being able to earn a job at, at training camp. Right now, he's not even number four on the safety depth chart behind guys like Miles Killebrew and Antoine Brooks Jr. for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, And he's right there with Lamont Wade. So he's got a long way to climb on that depth yeah. chart. Certainly has to impress during training camp. And when you're a seventh-round pick, there's just no guarantees that you're going to be signed. For no, that there's season. not. Not. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think the Steelers, and I think they waited a little bit long, and it's something we'll get into our, you know, on our next episode when you talk about free agents. There's a free agent that, that visited with the Steelers yesterday, and I'll save his name for that. That might work against Trey Norwood, too, is the fact that you know the Steelers look at their draft and say, yes, we really like our draft. We might have waited a little long on a safety. You know, can we bring somebody else in? Um, you know, will this seventh round safety make our roster? Can he play specials? Those are all questions that you're going to ask. And oh, by the way, if this, um, you know, this guy that you know, the Steelers brought in for a visit yesterday makes the team, it even makes it less likely um, that Trey Norwood makes the team. And Norwood, I mean, like you said, he was a ball ball hawk at, at, at Oklahoma. He led the S or the uh, Big Big Twelve in interceptions. But at the same time, when you're a seventh-round pick, it's an uphill battle no matter what. And like I said, I, I added some other things there that make it even more of an uphill climb for him. I don't think that this is – at this point, when we're approaching this area of the draft, you can't really say – I know we just talked very highly about Quincy Roche just one man ago, but that's a that's lightning in a bottle, right, Kellen? That, that is just something that you don't come across that often as a potential steal – not every guy in these sixth and seventh rounds are gonna you're gonna talk about to that level of you know complimentary degree. So when you're approaching a guy like Trey Norwood, it's kind of the the safety pick where, and I don't mean that ironically with this position, but they kind of, as you guys pointed out, said we may have waited too long. We we address other positions of need, and we not only position addressed those but we kind of doubled down and got multiple guys at that position talking about the offensive line multiple guys there back to back early on and so now we're left with just trying to find the next guy and we're not going to just ignore the safety position as a whole let's try to save face here let's see what Trey Norwood could do one guy I want to talk about that wasn't drafted before we wrap it up with the final pick the Steelers did make Undrafted free agent Shakir Brown out of Michigan State, cornerback. This is a guy, and I only branch off of this because we were talking about Trey Norwood and the coverage that he could potentially bring, and is he going to make the roster? But when the Steelers signed Brown, a lot of people kind of turned their heads more so than any undrafted free agents that get signed because I think people expected him to get drafted. And I think a lot of people are kind of putting a circle around this and trying to look smart by saying he's going to contribute down the road for this team and make this team this year because he clearly has a chance to. Uh, ESPN right now has him listed as the second cornerback on the left side behind Joe Hayden on their depth chart, jumping over James Pierre. So, you know, it's early. Who knows what is going to happen, how it's going to shake out for him. But I think it's just a name to keep an eye on heading into training camp is Shakur Brown. And yeah. don't be shocked if – not only he makes the team, but he's playing special teams for the Steelers next year as an undrafted free agent. And those guys make it too. I mean, mm -hmm. don't forget, 
the leading rusher in the NFL last year was undrafted. undrafted. Well, not yep. the leading rusher, but one of, one of the leading yeah. rushers. A thousand yard rusher was undrafted James Robinson yeah. for the Jaguars. So definitely keep an eye on Brown. And, you know, if he can pan out, what a steal because absolutely. they absolutely right. need some depth at that spot and definitely need all the help they can get when they go into the nickel package, losing a guy like Mike Hilton, who's just so deadly there. Right. I mean, there's no question. And, um, again, like you said, can you count on an undrafted guy right now as we sit here in uh, in June, the 4th of June? No. But at the same time, if he does pan out, man, does it make everything look a, a lot better? And, again, that could work against Norwood, too. That's another roster spot that maybe mm-hmm. um, that Brown takes that isn't available for Norwood, you know. Um, but, again, it's a seventh-round pick. You can't really count on those sort of things. Of course not. Not even a seventh no, round. Not even right. so undrafted. Yeah, undrafted. The final pick though for the Pittsburgh Steelers, their seventh round pick, number two hundred and fifty four overall, Presley Harvin the third. As we sit here in June, I I, I think he's going to be the starting punter. I think I he really is do. the starting punter already. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they had they were forced to bring back Jordan Barry because Last the punt room yeah. was so bad. So Cold it's not Cole quit. It's not awful. Cole quit. I mean, a good idea in theory. Get this guy a ring, maybe one more as a last dance type of deal. But I did not expect him to be that bad. But that's the thing is that Jordan Barry was brought in as a insurance policy to Colquitt. There's no real as I as I've said earlier with with Highsmith. There's no contract. There's no binding contract that you're guaranteed a roster spot other than the actual contract. There's no loyalty there. So I I, I completely agree, Kellen. I have all the faith in the world that this guy is going to be the starter week one. There there would be loyalty there to Barry if he was, you know, fantastic or if he was really good. And if he wasn't released in the first place, right? He was brought back. Right. He was released in the first place, so that gives you an indication of what they originally thought of him. And, by the way, he's not great. He's an average NFL punter to below average. I don't think he's on – like the ascension up above average. I think he's below average. Mm-hmm. Again, and I, I'm not saying that a seventh-round punter, like if you take a punter in the seventh round, they're absolutely making your team and they're absolutely going to start for you. But at the same time, when was the last time the Steelers drafted a kicker or a punter? You know what I mean? Regardless of the round, they, they took this guy in the seventh round. They used one of their draft picks on a punter. They obviously think very, very highly of this kid, and I think he was one of the best punters in, in all of football last year. And you don't want to leave it up to – you know, him getting to free agency after right. the draft, and then all of a sudden, you know, well, Miami's knocking on his, his door, and maybe he wants to kick balls in beautiful mm-hmm. South Beach and, for and the oh, next by four the years way, instead of Pittsburgh. So Jordan Barry's only getting 40 yards a punt or 35 yards a punt, whatever it is, it, you know. But you just you use the pick on him just to take the, the yeah. choosing aspect out of it, you know. Then all of a sudden you're competing against cities and markets and – you know where he thinks he's a bigger fit and who he's looking at depth charts and thinking which one he can make more and where he'd rather live so yeah i think it's a good call if you really like this guy to not even leave it up to chance and have it reach free and she use that round seven last pick that you had in the draft on him but like you guys said the thing that worries me is you know they've tried in the past even more than before colquitt to replace jordan barry and it's never just, been able it's just to. never been able to work he just Seems to have nine lives. Right. And the thing about a puncher is Harvin's got to come into camp and he's got to start booming kicks right away. I mean, you have to make the squad instantly. There's no, okay, we'll go with Jordan Berry this year and keep Harvin on the practice squad and hopefully he pans out and reaches his potential soon. That's not an option at this position group. 
he's got to take that job immediately from Jordan Berry. And I just there's a part of me that gets worried that, you know, what if he has the yips coming out of training camp and they can't give him the job? And then, you know, once you finally make your cut down to 53, you can't have two punters and Harvin's the one that goes. That's just the nerves in me, though. I think that this is finally the time that Jordan Berry gets supplanted as the starter. He was the ACC leader in punting average last year, averaging 49 yards per punt. So almost half the field is what this freak is punting. A unanimous first-team All-American, too. Mm -hmm. Unanimous. That means there's no question that the Steelers picked the best punter in the entire amateur Mm -hmm. football sports world on the 2020 season. So you're getting the cream of the crop at this position here. Like I said, you didn't leave it up to chance with free agency. And I think this is the time that Jordan Berry finally gets split. And, and having a good punter with as great of a defense as the Steelers is is a weapon that they haven't been able to use for the past two to three years. They, the ability to, even if the offense stalls out at their own 30, this guy can flip the field and you're playing uh, the opposing offense within their own 20 all of a sudden. And I, I think that that's something that's been sorely missed. And it's something that you know a lot of fans don't really recognize because it's it's this hidden yardage in between, you know, having a punt go in the end zone for a touchback or getting it down at the 10. I mean, that's a 10-yard difference there. Who knows? That could be the difference between a touchdown or a field goal in or the nothing. long run or nothing. Yeah. So I think finally having that punter with a good pedigree is great and it's exciting. Just really need to see him step up and just boom some mm-hmm. punts this year, though. Yep, and I mean – Yes, does he have to come out and boom them? Yeah, but I think the real key is just be better than Jordan Berry. That's step one. That's step one, um, is is be better than him. Give yourself a a shot. Um, Because let's be honest, Jordan Berry, um, he's been fine, and he's an okay NFL punter, but... um, You can punt on some other NFL team. Right. Maybe. If you're an average NFL punter, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just saying with Presley Harvin here, Jordan Berry can leave. Yeah, agreed. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Speaking of guys that can leave teams, there's still a lot of free agents out there on the market. So on the next episode, we're going to take a look at the list of guys that are still out there, not necessarily as a fit for the Steelers, but just look at some teams that need to stop dragging their feet and bring this guy in already because he could be a tremendous need for their roster. So we'll look at the free agency heap as we sit here on June 4th. That's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, though, if you want to check out any of our old episodes, you can at Steelers.com. Just look for Steelers Standard under the podcast tab there. We greatly appreciate it. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gursky, I am Tom Offerman, and we will talk to you next time.